recording. Welcome everybody back to Dong City, February 9th, 2022. It's the first episode of the year. The Tony Phillips edition. Tony Phillips played for the Angels, the White Sox. I think I remember him as an Oakland A, so that's where we're going. Vince, long time, not a lot of action, but you know, with, with the football guys and the basketball guys, everybody's uh, giving us competition. We got to come back on the air and get the people what they want. Yeah, podcasts after podcasts here in the life groups, absolutely. Um, I was definitely a, a Tony Phillips White Sox guy. He was probably actually one of my favorite White Sox players at the time. Uh, so that's my version. Tony, mute myself. There we go. It was, uh, uh, yeah. It was either Tony or, or Kenny Rogers and, and you know, as Yankee I don't want Kenny team. Rogers. Yeah, I don't think we want <laughs> I don't want any Kenny part Rogers. of Kenny Rogers, no. Um, yeah, so thank you for choosing that. Welcome to Dong City. It has been a long time for obvious reasons. We just quite simply have not had baseball. So there hasn't been a ton to talk about, but we have actually a very full slate tonight. Um, so this actually, should, before you this continue, I just, I just took a sip out of this. I just I had to show this to the people. That is my gift. That is awesome. Sean Flannery of in our uh, our Secret Santa. I was having a brain fart there. Secret Santa. You knew that he had to go with 49ers because there was no way in hell he was buying a Yankee emblem. So. That was my first question, and that makes plenty of sense now. That's really well, funny. Pretty cool. It works well. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, no, good job by, by Sean there. Uh, for those of you who don't know, we have a secret Santa every year and you have to basically be a participant in order to do it. So if you are not someone who participates a lot in baseball life, you may want to try because you can get something as cool as that. Absolutely. Probably won't say Dong City on it though. I mean, it should. I, maybe maybe everybody should get gifts that say Dong City on it. I mean, why not? Yeah, it should just be a thing. Um, you get a Dong, get... you get a Dong, everybody gets a Dong. <laughs> We're going to try and keep this as lighthearted as possible, given everything that's going on around MLB. There are a lot of dark subjects, I should say, that we're going to touch on tonight. Uh, we're happy to discuss it. We're happy to get your feedback as well. Bear with me as my voice is not 100%. Um, we're going to start with probably two of the more sadder things I can think of. Minutes ago, it was announced Jeremy Giambi, uh, brother of Jason Giambi and former player, 1,400 at bat, several teams, has passed away in his home. And just a few days ago, Gerald Williams, former Yankee, as well as player of several teams, um, died, I believe, from a uh, bout with cancer. Yeah. So Giambi, 47, Gerald Williams, 55. Obviously, these are both untimely, just very sad. I, Henry, we're at the point age-wise, and I know we're not too far apart in my age, where it's really, it's starting to get a little scary because the guys you grew up watching are starting to pass away. And I feel like, and correct me if you, if you disagree, because this is very anecdotal mm -hmm. ever since Jose Fernandez passed away, I feel like we've just had lots of untimely deaths in MLB. And I don't know if that's social media or if it's actually happening, well, but that's well, just how I feel. I think it's a combination. I think we live in a day and age with social media where we get our news literally instantly. You know, we, we, we don't open the papers. We, you know, we don't even go to websites anymore. We get notifications on our phones. Um, I think you couple that with um, COVID took out a lot of the, you know, the elder population in MLB. You know, a lot of our greats we've lost. Hank Aaron, we lost so many people last year um, to COVID. So, yeah, I mean, these deaths have been was, was nuts. Um, we're going to touch on one of them later on in the show. Uh, Giambi, 47, Gerald Williams, 55. I mean, these guys are just way too young. They shouldn't be dying at this age. 
Um, yeah, and that was after a rash of Tommy Hansen, Oscar Tavares, uh, Louis Dalglini, Giordano Ventura. It, you know, car accidents, all kind of weird, quirky. It's, you know, it's crazy. But uh, I'm going to tell you my favorite Gerald Williams moment. And it's probably the Tampa Bay Rays best moment ever. I don't know if you recall <laughs> this. When he when when Pedro plunked him, Pedro went high and tight and plunked him on the forearm. And Gerald Williams is walking to first base. And Pedro says something. And Gerald Williams looks at his forearm, looks at Pedro, looks at his forearm, <laughs> looks at Pedro. He does it about three or four times. And he's like, fuck it. I'm going to charge the mount. And he charges the mount. That is my favorite. <laughs> I forgot Gerald that Williams. was him. Yeah. That is my yeah. favorite moment. That and, and of course, Derek Jeter, he, you know, he very openly always called Gerald Williams his best friend. In fact, he broke the news on his website, um, the Players uh-huh. Tribune. So, yeah. Did Pretty you sad. know, I never would have guessed this. Jeremy Giambi, as I mentioned earlier, had, earlier had 1,400 at-bats, which is, you know, about five seasons for a part-time player, uh-huh. um, which he was. He, but two... Three interesting facts. One is Gerald Williams had 3,000 MLB at-bats. If you Now, this is how I, I was, a, a, again, a little bit younger. I remember Gerald Williams very fondly as part of, you know, all the greatest moments of the Yankees in the 90s. He was always the other Williams to me. Like, it was like, <laughs> after looking at the lineup, I was like, all Bernie right. Bernie and the other one. Yeah, must be Bernie. And then Gerald comes up. I'm like, oh, all right, the guy's coming off the bench. Gerald had great speed, though. He was a really good role player. Um, never would have guessed he had 3,000 career MLB at bats and never would have guessed he had 14 more than years. twice. Yeah, I, I know. He stopped in 2006. I never would have guessed that either. Yeah, he um, 14. Yeah, I mean, he's, you know, a guy that bounced around, you know, you remember him. But, you know, the sad part about Jeremy Giambi's death, um, what do you think he'll famously be known for? So that was my fondest memory of Jeremy Giambi is, is he's the one who was thrown out at the plate on the Jeter flip play, which he only spent two years in Oakland. Here's another weird thing. Jeremy Giambi was on the 2001 A's in that series. Gerald Williams was on the 2001 Yankees, which I did not realize. I didn't realize that. That's interesting. Yeah. I I also think that'll be Jeremy Giambi's like career highlight is getting thrown out by the, it will, you know, getting tagged out by the goat rather. (laughs) <laughs> that that and being Jason Giambi's brother. I know. I mean, the dude, you know, the dude had 1,400 major league at-bats. So hell of a personality, though. He had a hell of yeah. a personality. Dude was fun as hell. Yeah. I, I, I challenge. I'm seeing the comment section. Joey's saying that's his only memory of him. I If you have any <laughs> other Jeremy Giambi memories besides getting thrown out at home by Derek Jeter on the flip play, please share them because I absolutely – I'm with Joey. I can't remember I, any specific other moment he had. I, I don't remember, Matt. Yeah. And not, you know, your Gerald Williams one was a great one. I don't really have a specific one for him either, except for the longest time. I thought he was Ruben Rivera, who famously yeah, stole Derek Jeter's glove in spring training and got kicked off that. the team. That, yeah, that he used to get him all the time. Big, that was a big, big, big thing here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So those are all, you know, if you want to walk through role players of the late 90s, this this was a good, good exercise. And Gerald Williams also had 30 home runs more than Jeremy Giambi. Never I would have guessed that either. Sean brings up a point. He did have, uh, Jeremy Giambi was a, a, a good character in Moneyball. That's true. He Yes, he was part of the Moneyball A's. Uh, yeah. And he, if you read the, the book, which I'm guessing Sean is also um, – is referencing as opposed to the movie he yeah he's like more than one chapter in that him scott hatterberg and kevin euclid i feel like we're like six chapters in that book i mean i'm sorry um, brad play plays uh billy bean it's about the movie and not the book hmm. yeah 
Um, yeah, so rip to Gerald Williams and Jeremy Giambi. That's not the way we wanted to start the show. Unfortunately, it's the way we had to go. So let's <laughs> make it sadder by talking about CBA updates. That's our next topic. Before um, we continue, I saw Melvin yeah. came up. See my Puerto Rico hat. Colombia wins their first Caribbean World Series title. Wow. I don't know that I knew they had a strong baseball presence. Well, they beat the Dominican Republic, and the Dominican Republic had the most MLB players on their team, so it was a pretty big win. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Sean also brings up by trying to trade. The the trade transaction, like, discussions, Ricardo Rincon comes to mind, too. Mm -hmm. That's, like, the Ricardo best part of Moneyball. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, best part of Moneyball was seeing that angle of the front office where you can see how negotiations actually work. I remember that blew my mind when I read Moneyball. Uh, and speaking just, of negotiations, I don't think they're that much of a badass, though. No, I, you know, the guys never won a World Series. And quite frankly, on base percentage is something the Yankees stick Michael was doing 10 years earlier. So that kind of got lost on me. But I understand it was it, it's the money aspect that I think is what Billy Bean adjusted, which I get. Um, Rob Manfred addressing the media tomorrow. Any prediction as to what you think that's about? I think we all expect the same shit, uh, a delay in the season, a delay to spring training and continued talks and maybe a jab or two at the Players Association. Yeah, I'm with you. I <clears throat> It could. I saw this earlier in his post today. It could be about spring training because I feel like pitchers and catchers would report this week. Next week. Um, next week, Wednesday. Would it's be it's the usually like Valentine's Day. OK, so it's the 16th this year. Um I, I think it could be an update on that, but I think mostly it's going to be just kind of regurgitating that they're in negotiations, they're at the table, and something about players <laughs> hinting that it's their fault, I think, is what we should expect. Scumbags. So, scumbags. Yeah, exactly. So that's Rob Manford. We won't spend any more time on him. Uh, we had questions earlier about the players' union not speaking out they have i this is something fascinating because i feel like this is an annual tradition now henry we talk about the cba and lockouts and how they're not three years straight now yeah <laughs> um max scherzer and garrett cole two of the bigger names in baseball two of the bigger names in the players union have both come out tweeting which is interesting to me because all the previous negotiations, I always felt like it was Tony Clark or whoever was running the players union would release these statements. And I always felt like owners had one step up in that game. Right Now players are coming out personally unfiltered with their opinions. And I think that that's a lot more relatable for a normal person to understand. And I really like that. I like that change. I like it, but you still have the idiots like in the in the group I saw earlier, people still complaining about the play, the millionaires complaining about making money, about uh, the five hundred thousand dollar minimum salary that players should be able to retire on. It's just a, a lot of dumb shit. You know, it's that thing. Tell me you don't know about money without telling me you don't know about money. You know, they're crazy arguments because they existed. I in eighth grade, I wrote a report about this. That would have been in 2000 about how MLB players in particular, would not be able to retire off their salaries. Now, granted, salaries have increased. And if you're talking about the top of that, it's no longer true. I mean, you can't right. retire on 300 million. But if we're still talking about the minimum, which is what most guys are going to make in their career, 500 something thousand, it still applies. You aren't going to be able to retire on that. You're risking your body physically. You don't have a college degree most of the time. And you don't have another career to fall back on. This no, isn't like... That's the biggest one to me right there. What are you going to do afterwards? It's like 
You, yeah, what are you going to do? You have no skills. There aren't transferable skills. I mean, maybe you can work for MLB, which a lot of them do, but there's only so many of those jobs. Like this, the whole thing is even, supply and demand based. Even then, you go into a job. Coaches aren't making five hundred thousand, you know, five hundred thousand dollars a year. Yeah. So you know what? What are they making? Under a hundred, probably. You know. Yeah, like, unless you're a manager. So uh, it's 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 foolishness, and and people that side with the owners, I I just I can't get the short sightedness. I don't get it. You can't. I can I never understand it. it. And I'm railroading this year. I like to pick something new to attack. This year, it's the millionaires versus billionaires argument. I don't think people understand how big of a difference it is between having a billion dollars and a million dollars. I know you can calculate it. I don't think you can understand the difference in your life. Exactly. You can never get through a billion dollars, no matter what you try and do, unless you straight up just give it away. A million is totally different. And as I've pointed out, and it has not been met receptively as predicted, we, you and I, Henry, have more in common with a homeless person than a billionaire does with a millionaire financially. I agree, I agree with that. So if a homeless person was battling a normal person, say, for food <laughs> or for basic living expenses you'd probably side with the homeless person, right? This is what I don't get. Like, yeah, it's, they're not, it's not a survival thing. I get that. But that's the difference. They're so far apart financially, making it boil down to millionaires versus billionaires is like the most asinine thing I can think of. I, don't, I, I truly think it, that's never the argument. I just think that's ego involved. What the argument, the real argument and the real issue is, and no one would ever admit it because most men won't admit it, is jealousy. Yeah, you're jealous because as men, as boys, teenagers, we love playing this game. That's what brings everyone together. We love going to the park. We love hanging out with our friends and family. We play a game here or there. You love playing the game right now. You can't possibly fathom being good enough to make the pros and good enough to say, hey, I'm getting paid millions of dollars to play this game that I played as a kid for free. You're just not that good. So now you're jealous because those guys are fighting for their careers. And in your head, you're processing I could do that. I would do that yeah. for free, but it's not for free because at the end of the day, we love this sport. It's a business. There's $12 billion in revenue that were made. This is a business. Don't ever forget that. We all play the game. I'm sure players in the offseason play the game for fun. This is a business. They are the main attraction. They are the talent. They put asses in seats. And as long as that's the case, they need to be paid at least 50% of the revenues. Yeah. Revenue generating supply and demand just does that's not... It seem like that connects with a lot of the public which is bizarre to me because it's a very basic aspect of how our economy works yeah. so I, I there's a, there's only so many arguments you can you can make like i said it, it comes, down to, the same it comes down to jealousy grown-ass men jealous about other talented grown-ass men who are better than them period yeah yeah no, no you're right so I, i'm glad to see key players are speaking out they're speaking out directly to people they're not going through pr firms or anything like that they're not playing the owner's game anymore and i find that fascinating and i'm very curious how that pans out as we go through these negotiations um so we're going to see uh, you know it's a different approach it's a new aged approach and i like it i will say i i i, I saw garrett cole's tweet mm-hmm. and i loved it up until, and you know what I'm going to say, right? The integrity part. I love integrity it. of the game. He mentioned the integrity of the game. I rolled my eyes so hard, I probably became blind for a little while. Because <laughs> this is the same dude. Now he was never busted with spider tack, but let's be real. We it was clear that this dude was using spider tack. Yeah. 
And I'm like, come on, don't don't start talking about the integrity of the game when your ass just went from being Jacob deGrom-esque early in the season to just a very good picture. And then don't get me started on the postseason. <laughs> so well, take the integrity part out and get the fuck out of here. It's funny to me to see you can really get into the head of like a major league player's mindset sometimes. And I think spider Attack's a really good example. When the Astros scandal broke, Astros players were acting like, and, and their fans and Red Sox players and their fans were acting like, well, everyone's doing this. So it's not really cheating because everyone's doing it with no proof. And that is obviously bullshit, <laughs> but with the spider tack thing, I, I think we did see a couple of, batters hitters maybe come out and speak yeah. against it but for the most part that really did seem like that's kind of a cultural thing like like yes it's illegal but everyone seemed okay with it but to your point it's still bring like if you got caught with it you're still getting in trouble so therefore you are you are violating the integrity of the game so yeah that was kind <clears> of funny you know what fucked up you know what fucked up the whole spider tag thing i think it was a combination of spider tag and them changing the balls i think the two yeah. things together gave such an advantage to pitchers that everyone was like, what the fuck is happening? Because it was just such a drastic shift to just the pitchers having the, this extreme advantage. I don't think it was just one or the other. I think it was just a, a horrible combination of both of those things. And it's extremely disingenuous from MLB. You know, MLB cracks well, without the players attack. knowing. I mean, you can't get any yeah. shittier than that. They changed the balls several times and then selectively chose games or in based on a whole a whole category on on the scandals in the mlb recently but they yeah they do that based on matchups they don't tell anyone and then on top of that like this thing that players have been doing kind of similar to steroids all of a sudden now mlb is like nope we're banning it cut that out right now we don't have an alternate option that's just what has to happen and all of a sudden now players are like uh we might accidentally hit people yeah. Like we don't know where the ball's going. We've been doing this for so long. We don't know what it's like to just not have this anymore. And, and yeah, so that, that's also a bad job like by I, MLB. I think a good argument for the players would have been, hey, these balls feel different because I genuinely believe they do. But yeah. that's not the case. Players were just trying to be slick and it just so happened that MLB changed the balls without telling them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wrinkles in this. Minor League Baseball actually had announced very favorably to me that they are expanding the season to 150 games. I think it was 142, so not a major expansion, but still an expansion. The flip side to this is, and this is something that hasn't really been talked about a lot with the CBA, is that the 40-man rosters are locked out. So it's one thing, obviously, the MLB players are locked out, but you have a top prospect like an Oswaldo Peraza, we use the Yankees as an example who is on the 40 man who might have a shot at making the major league team. He cannot play in an MLB facility until this is over. And we saw how that worked in 2020 in just in terms of development. And it like 2020 was a wacky, wacky season. I think you're going to see some of that with those specific guys. I think so too. Um, I do like the expansion of the games. The, the more minor league games you give up, the better. I mean, I'm a big minor league guy. I love it. Those games are fun. If you've never been to a minor league game, treat your family and go. It's a wonderful experience. Yeah. I never, I get why it ends earlier. Cause you know, you have call-ups and all that and things get butchered. I never understood why the season, like, why don't, why didn't they start at the same time and just go one, yeah, you know, like one fifty two Makes too much yeah. sense. It's, and that's a, it's a minor league baseball is a perfect complement to major league baseball. It's like, you're losing a little bit of quality, but you're also paying like a 10th of the price. So 
You know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's cool, man. You go to a game, especially if you can get to a double-A game, because those are more competitive. Yeah, you, that's you go to a double-A game, you'll see a guy, and then like a few years later, you see that guy make your team, and you're like, yo, I remember I was mm-hmm. here, and then, you know, with the Toledo Mudhens, and this dude, I saw this dude, and he was good, and I knew he was going to be a star, and you know, you're full of shit, but you have fun with those <laughs> things, and you tell people you've seen this kid play in double-A and triple-A, you know, yeah, Joey, right? Brooklyn Cyclone games are fun as hell, man. They're, they're yeah. super fun. Staten Island Yankee games are fun. Uh, Trenton Thunder were. games super, yeah. Trenton Thunder games were fun too. <laughs> Trenton Thunder, the greatest of all. I uh, unfortunately, you know, I've been to more Thunder games than Yankee games. I've probably been to like sixty something Yankee games. So this is not a small. I mean, there was one summer where I had this old lady. I was my dad was friends with, and I went literally every single night to the Thunder games um, for the entire summer because she was a season ticket holder. And then I had connections after that with other people. You can basically, if you live in Central Jersey, you can go to a Thunder game pretty much for free anytime you want, just on proxy of knowing someone. Um, So I've been, yeah, I went to Thunder games way before I ever went to a Yankee game. Uh, Super fun, super affordable. It's a nice ballpark right on the water there. And unfortunately for me, most of my memories you just described are Red Sox players because they were the Red Sox affiliate throughout the 90s. So I saw Nomar in the minors. I saw Trot Nixon, Doug Mirabelli, Donnie Sadler, all those guys in the minors uh, followed them straight up to the majors and then hated their guts. So it was a weird, weird situation for me. Um, did see Tyro Estrada last time I went there. I was like, that guy's good. He's going to be something yeah, one day. I've been more I've, I've been to more Cyclone games because they're just geographically a lot closer. Yeah, um, you know they have the fireworks at night. You, you get ridiculous stuff like two tickets, you know, a hot dog, a soda, chips for like fifty bucks. You know the atmosphere is cool. <laughs> awesome. Everyone's just having fun. Man, minor league games are the shit. Yeah, the Tampa Tarpons. Tarpons have like a hundred dollars, and you can be in a suite with all all food like unlimited food. <laughs> it's just like. It's nuts. Uh, the deals you can get on minor league. I, my birthday last year went to Lakeland Flying Tigers. That was single A. I saw Anthony Volpe play in Austin Wells. They were on that team. And that um, was like $27 a head. We got our own suite with uh, two different catered foods, like you catered say you hot got dogs. You got a suite for 27 bucks? Yeah, 27 a head. Yep. It was like $500. I had 20 people. And we, we just watched the game together in an air-conditioned suite, which in Florida in the middle of the summer, that is clutch. You can't. So, yeah. Yeah. I, it really is just a fantastic experience. Uh, but yeah, so those players kind of that, that ex, the next of the best, the, the 14 guys on the 40 are locked out, um, which is a shame. Well, I, have a feeling you, I, I have a feeling you're going to be going a lot more games soon too. Yeah. Well, so that's bittersweet for me, you know, in my personal life, we're having a child, my first child next month. And I was really looking forward for two things. One was going to spring training before she's born. Like, let me get these baseball games out of my system because I don't know what, you know, the next few months of my life will be like. But then after that, yeah, for sure. Um, I promised myself that my daughter's first major league game will be Yankee Stadium. So I'm going to do that before the drop, probably not till she's like five or six. So so you're saying reality is her first Yankee game is going to be with Uncle Henry. That's what you're really right. saying. Exactly. Yeah. I'll uh, get the whole click together in New York. We're going to go. Bring her to, 
I'm going to bring her some alcaporias. We're going to get her some good pizza. <laughs> we got her, man. We got her. <laughs> yes. Yes. The pizza circuit, the Yankee game, New York City. I promised like right around five or six that that would be her first trip. Yeah. Um, but we will go to many minor league games before that, I'm sure, because there's minor league baseball, as you might imagine, all over Central Florida. Uh, yeah, exactly, Joey. The trop's not like if I want any shot of my daughter loving baseball like I do, I am not bringing her to the trop for my first game. You bring it to the uh, trop if you want to hate the Rays. Yeah, maybe if it's a new stadium by 2027, which we'll get to later, but not 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 at the trop as we know it. Um, other things sort of involved, and we can go through kind of a prediction process here. So what's on the table for the CBA? Universal DH is pretty much decided. That's definitely going to happen. We knew yeah. this in 2020. We talked about it, that next CBA that would be thrown in because everyone's in support of it. So that's done. Expanded playoff. It's, I don't know how you, I, I know, I don't remember if you were for it or against it. Um, I'm for I, it. I'm okay, for yes. it with the format of the wild card. I mean, the, it, you got to have three games in the first series. Yeah, I'm with that too. I don't think that's going to happen, but I think that's how it should happen. Yeah, I don't want one but, game um, playoffs. Yeah, I, I and that's a perfect solution. But um, we both in 2020 then were in support of this permanently. I think it's going to be permanent, and I think it. I think it's going to be 14 teams. Uh, we've seen 12 and 16 get passed around too. I think I don't know which sense. side one of them floated 16 games. And I was like, are you serious? I saw that 16 is too much. We see that in the NBA and NHL. I don't like half the league making the playoffs. Um, football's I, I, got it right. I don't like it. I'm going to be honest with you. If it goes to 16 games, fans don't give a shit. Fans, yeah, that, if once your team is in the playoffs, you have a shot. Look, the Yankees will make the playoffs every single year for the rest of my life if it goes to 16 games, to 16 yeah. teams. I'm just saying. And I don't even want that. Like, I don't I don't want as a Yankee fan. I don't want that. I would rather my team know that they are mediocre than make some BS playoff spot and lose in the first round. That just doesn't do it for me. And, and please, I, I know that it's going to be in there. They've both talked about it. I hate the option of picking your opponent. I do. It's a gimmick. There's I no other way to describe so it. Much. You know why? Because there's going to be a year that everyone is like, that's the easiest matchup. And that's the matchup that gets chosen. And then the underdog whoops the team's ass. And we'll always remember that forever. And yeah. I just, there's something silly about that. Yeah. I also don't, I don't like the whole fan aspect of that will be totally out of control. I still hear shit from 2018 when the Yankees were beating the A's in the play-in and they chanted, we want Boston, yeah. which I'll argue till the day I die, what else did you want them to say? Like, obviously they were playing Boston next. That was celebrating they were beating the A's, not saying we're going to beat Boston. Look, but you know, that's the kind of shit you're going to run into. You choose right. your opponent and then you lose to them and you're going to hear it for eternity over a freaking wild card game. Which might add to like some fan banter. I, I guess it has its upside. I, I just personally, I'm not a fan of it. Yeah, I don't like it either. Too gimmicky, especially if it's com if it's complemented with a one gamer. Like if it's a three game playoff, you know, it's a little more easy to digest. But I don't like that. Um, and also, by the way, the the main reason that I always felt like they were gonna have an expanded playoff, besides the fact it adds more money into the big pot, is that I do think before this decade ends, we're gonna have thirty two MLB teams. I I think there's definitely gonna happen. Team Puerto Rico. So, except Puerto Rico. Um, you ain't ready for, for Acapurias in the stands, brother Coquito and Acapurias. Come on. 
<laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> I am ready for that. I <laughs> just I don't think that's going to happen. You go to the, so, you go to the concession stand, you get an acapulco, you can get pasteles, you get coquito. Come on, man. That that's the, the ultimate ballpark experience. I don't drink alcohol at sporting events, not because of any sort of alcoholism issue. I just never liked it. I don't like I don't really like drinking outside now that I think about it, but I would probably bend that rule if they sold coquito at the stadium. That that might be worth it. If I've now had, and I'm not going to name names, I have tasted Cogito that was only okay. It wasn't yours. So now I know there's a difference. Like, it's not all awesome. Difference. So if they sell, like, shitty manufactured, like, widespread manufactured yeah, ones, you know, maybe not. I, but I've, it's like yours. Never, listen to me. I've never in my life had bad Cogito in Puerto Rico. Ever. Well, that's true. In Puerto Rico, I'm sure even if it's mass produced across the island, I'm sure it'll still. I will good. say, my cocky ass will put my coquito up against anyone else's, including people <laughs> in Puerto Rico. I could, I could but, see you going to stadium vendors, being like, "Yeah, I got to sell this shit. It's just." I, I got you, bro. <laughs> I look for twenty. Keep you know, keep five. I got you. Yeah. <laughs> ah, now I kind of do want that to happen. Um, Universal <laughs> DH, yes. Expanded playoff, yes. Uh, here is where the rubber meets the road in the prediction, in the in the negotiations. And this is where we're going to see several months, I think, of back and forth. The combination of the three following things. Salary arbitration rules. Uh, MLB, after being manipulated for years, wants to change salary arbitration, whether that's lowering the age, whether that's lowering the service time, what, you know, whatever it is, they want to cut that and stop service time manipulation. The draft lottery, which this is something I'm curious. I almost I don't think that the players will win this, I, and I don't know if they're using it as a ploy or not, but they want a draft lottery, which they proposed eight teams. MLB proposed three, which is a joke, um, but they want a draft lottery so the bottom eight teams, or in MLB's case, three teams, would have to enter a lottery. They wouldn't be guaranteed picks. It's I'm supposed like to that. be meant to. Yeah, I like it. I like it. I think it's smart because tanking is an issue, and especially if you're expanding the playoff, like it, it you, is and it you isn't. Can't water it down even more. Here's the thing with that: it's it's so much harder to be drafted and make the pros as a star in baseball than any other sport. There's a reason yeah. Kyler Murray went to play football instead of playing baseball, and he was a better baseball player. But it's just the road is so much harder. Your road to riches is harder. The road to the game is harder. What I would love to see, and I've been advocating for this for years, is I want to see draft picks being traded. Yeah. I think I would like that. Yeah. Those teams that that have great systems like the Tampa Bay Rays, who just have an eye for talent, those teams would be trading draft picks left and right. Just give me all the draft picks. They'll be they'll just be trading players left and right have an international draft and have draft pick trades. International draft I'm on the fence with. I think that, I think it'll help those players more than hurt them. I just, Ozzy Albies, that's all. (laughs) Not that it's not the same thing. He wasn't an international draft pick where he got screwed there. He was a free agent. Here's my problem with that. It happens all the time with international players. Well, how do you determine the draft order? Like, are you, are you giving the same shitty teams double dipping benefits like there has to be some way to, to balance this out so what's been happening is the I'm big saying mar- combine them all one giant draft one including the international guys a world draft Ooh, that would be fun now the draft would mean something 
Because yeah, right now, and so the, are the picks, the international free agent signing period that benefits the big market teams. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a way around them not getting draft picks and, and and having to give up draft picks for uh for signing free agent signings. So they go, they fucking put thirty scouts, you know, in, in different countries. Go find me the best talent. All right, this is a once in a generation play. I'm gonna allocate all my draft allotment to this dude, and, and that's it. And then you find you a seventeen year old Jason Dominguez that you say is twelve. And you have that guy in the system and you hope it pans out. And if he doesn't, it's fine because you're a big market team and you can afford that. Right. But I mean, one big draft, I think I'm with that. Well, now it's, you know, again, the Yankees have an interesting situation that they've been going. They went from kind of peppering the international draft, usually Dominicans, to now they're basically picking one superstar who's probably a top five pick in a regular draft. And they're saving up and they're signing that guy. So they're getting one major prospect, even though they always have a pick in the 20s. And so, uh, and they're signing that guy. It's it, that like if I'm a small market fan, I'm paying attention to that. I'm like, damn, that sucks. They're you, still getting a top five pick. You said that, and I'm just kind of breaking down. I, I don't know how they how they manage that. I mean, there's so many issues with paperwork and you know MLB kind of controlling the amateur status of these players. I, I don't there's a lot. There's a lot to unpack there. I think that the international system, the way it works, is so corrupt. We we've seen glimpses of it, like with what happened with the Braves, you know, with Kevin Mitan and everyone. Um, we've seen, I think, a couple other sports or a couple other teams have that issue too. Uh, we've seen glimpses of it. I don't. I don't think we've even scratched the surface. I think so much corruption goes on with those players to get them drafted by wherever they're being drafted that we don't even, we don't even comprehend what that looks like now. So if you put them in a draft, it might fix it. They would have to create sort of this MLB international organization. Yeah. That I guess these players would have to qualify for paperwork, uh, whatever other, you know, criteria. And then I guess once you're in that organization, you kind of adhere to the policies and principles of MLB. That's the only way I can kind of, and this is just off the top of my head, think about it. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I, I'm, I'm not opposed to a big draft. Yeah. I mean, so in the interim, the draft, the way the draft works right now is what's, what's on the table. Uh, players don't want tanking. They think attacking your draft pick is the best way to go about it. And they're probably right. Um, and then the third prong to this is revenue sharing thresholds. Now, this is probably going to be the biggest argument of all, because I think there's at least common middle ground in the other two. Revenue, uh, Hal Steinbrenner wanted to lower the revenue tax. He's a piece of shit, so that makes sense. Um, players obviously want to raise it substantially because there's way more, you know, MLB, except for the pandemic year, gains revenue every single year. Since 2016, players have lost percentage of revenue every single year based on how this collective bargaining agreement works. So revenue sharing the threshold, whatever that top number is right now, it's 248 million. I think it was last year, that top, top tier where you're taxed the most. What's on the table is how you're going to be punished. They're proposing a hundred, you know, Owners want 100% tax instead of, I think, 50% tax. Mm-hmm. And what that number is, which is probably the most important thing, um, obviously a floor has been mentioned. I don't think you're going to see that. But that's the biggest problem in baseball to me is owners manipulated that once it was agreed to and have made that a salary cap. The Yankees don't go over that number and they go right up to it. So obviously it means something. And you see a team like the Mets this past offseason explode through it. But I guarantee you three years from now, 
The Mets will go back under that number. Guaranteed. No one keeps it up forever. The Mets are in a different category. I think they kind of had to do that. They had a new owner. They had a yeah, lot of just like the Dodgers owners. when the Dodgers had, had new ownership. They had need. They had a need. There was players that filled those needs. They wanted to steal the city. They wanted to steal the back page. It made a lot of sense for Steve Cohen to just open up that wallet and say, "Here you go." But like you said, in a few years, that's they're going to go back to that threshold, and they have to find a way to penalize these cheap ass teams. Yeah, if that means, I mean, it's, and this isn't any sort of attack on the Mets. This is just how it works. No, no, not at all. Listen, Dodgers come in; they need to get rid of their Frank McCourt stench. They go crazy spending money with the whole Adrian Gonzalez trade and everything like that. Oh. They want to make an imprint immediately. Mets are doing the same thing now, and any new owner is going to do that. Except the Marlins, they stripped down everything, but that was actually the right move at the time. Look, right now I open up Spot Spot Track, right? The Mets are projected to have the highest payroll, followed by the Dodgers, Yankees, Padres, White Sox. Those are all big market teams who spend money and are good winning teams. So now you you take the teams you have in the bottom. You have the Cleveland Guardians last, Baltimore Orioles, Pittsburgh Pirates. Those are the bottom three. Those guys are consistently shitty teams, shitty yeah. organizations. And yet, revenue-wise, they get taken care of. It, yeah. it doesn't make any sense. You have to find a way to penalize these fucking guys from tanking. If it means, hey... This is how you have to use your money. 50% of it has to go back on the field. And if you don't, the money you don't use gets reallocated to the big market teams. When those small market teams figure out that they have to give money back, then they'll start putting some money back on the field. You have to penalize them somehow. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's going to be the bloodbath. If you're wondering why we don't have MLB until June or July or at all, whatever it comes down to. Christ, the Angels have the eighth payroll. Dude, that's what are they doing? Category, yeah. Uh, so let's make those predictions. We'll go across the board real quick. Universal DH, we obviously both yes. agree is going to happen. It's basically done. Expanded playoff, we both agree is going to happen. Yep. Are you officially what? What? How many teams are you officially saying? 14. My number is fourteen. I'm fourteen. On fourteen. Okay. Fourteen and a buy for the top two. What do you think happens with salary arbitration? Does it change? Do you have any I, predictions on that? I think it changes drastically. I think. Uh-huh. I think they completely overhaul the system, how a player is viewed. I think they get rid of the, the Super 2 loophole. Um, I think they work a system that is more beneficial. I think we're going to see a change in the six-year rule. I think we're going to yes. see I think we're going to see a drastic, drastic change in that situation. I am going to go kind of middle of the road there. I think that there will be a change. I don't think it'll be drastic. I think that they are going to change the year rule, though. I think they'll probably just move it down to like four and nothing else will change. So really MLB will get like five, which is still a win for the players union by a year. So that's kind of, I think like that's the way that they'll resolve that. And they got to change the, the clock situation. I think, you know, holding yeah. a player back. The minute a player's called up, his clock starts, period. That's it. Right. You know, if you're um, called up, if, if a guy like Chris Bryant is fucking knocking down the door in spring training the way he was that year, that guy should be in the major leagues. Or maybe you start the clock when they're on the 40 man. That, interesting outside of the box yeah outside of the box thinking they're they're on the 40 man their clock starts it's up to you to say when they're going to come in you had to protect them because of rule five risk i think so, we're going to see roster changes too i do too uh for different reasons i just think the game's becoming more segmented um it wouldn't surprise me if it went up to like 28 30 player rosters i think they're going to go up and i think they're going to 
kind of manipulate how they go up. I think they'll say, hey, you have a limit on how many batters and a limit on how many pitchers you can keep. Yeah, that's also a good point. Uh, and they have to know that that's really what's dragging down the game is just two seconds. The problem that I have with with the way pitching is going, the strategy is fine. I don't I don't care about that. It's that you're taking away identity. <laughs> We're never going to have another Max Scherzer after this. There's just never going to be a 200 inning horse who can become lower for a city when he carries a team to a world. So we'll never see a 2003 Josh Beckett again uh, or 2007 Josh Beckett. Um, that's my problem with it. I don't like anything that takes away from marketing the sport. And I, and that's my problem is that that's what that does. It completely makes a faceless pitching. All pitchers become faceless and it slows down the game and it makes that's, offense worse. It's the direction of the game. I, I think the problem is. is MLB doesn't know what it wants. MLB wants a faster game. But MLB also wants more offense. More offense means more time. Yeah. MLB doesn't know if they want the hitters to dominate, as we saw two years ago, or the pitchers to dominate, as we saw last year. MLB doesn't know what the fuck they want. <laughs> they don't yeah. know what kind of product. And the simple way to do that is leave it the fuck alone. Let the players determine what the product is. Yeah. Don't overanalyze it. Don't change the balls. Don't put stupid rules in place. Don't do dumb shit that's going to cause a fucking confusion as to what, ba- what is baseball right now. Right now, you have teams who fucking start games with relief pitchers. I hate it, but it's going to be a thing. It's going to continue to be a thing. The way the game is played is going to continue to evolve. And MLB is old, crabby-ass men who don't know what the fuck is going on. They want to they wanna grab a target audience that they don't relate to. They can't possibly relate to them, and they're trying to cater the game to them, and they're doing it all wrong. Yeah. Uh, now I'm with you there. So... You ready to get into the next segment? <laughs> Here, here's a here's a uh, one two three punch coming at you. Uh, Trevor Bauer have not heard from him in a while. He yeah, imagine, been, imagine that it's radio silence you know, from Trevor Bauer. Yeah, um, refreshing for most. I before all this happened really liked Trevor Bauer, but I realize the reasons I liked him now are why he's probably a criminal. Which, uh, not uh, which by the. <laughs> For the record, I didn't I call that. I said yeah. his personality will get him in trouble faster than anything. Yeah, I liked that he was sort of a rebel. I liked that he talked shit to people. I liked that he trolled people. And the reality is that he's a little bit of an insult. Yep. And uh, I think he's got some real problems. He's so. been cleared. He's been cleared legally. So the case was thrown out. So completely cleared legally. Does he pitch again? Does he pitch again 22-22, and is it for the Dodgers? Yes, he pitches. I don't know if it's for the Dodgers or not. I, I, I don't know what their front office looks like. I don't know what their, you know, uh, clubhouse is like. You've heard some things. You don't know if it's true that, you know, a lot of the players didn't like him. Yeah, so which it, isn't it's hard a, to believe. He's an asshole. <laughs> um. So if that's an issue, I mean, you don't rock the boat by bringing that guy back. The Dodgers were, you know, one playoff series away from the World Series again. So yeah. you, you don't rock the boat and you and you let him walk. And, and like I said before, the Mets dodged a huge bullet. He dicked the Mets around at the last minute, and that was the best thing that could have happened to the Mets in the last couple of seasons. Yeah, and it's probably why they have Scherzer. So <laughs> I'll take that trade off. I can, uh, see, yeah. I can see the Giants picking him up. 
<laughs> my next my next question was what team does pick him up? Joey said the Astros, and that is perfect for me. That is my top choice too. Oh, I could see it. They're gonna Astros. I can Red see the Giants. Sox. I can see the Giants. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, that but, would, but here, I mean, but here's the question: like, so MLB has this kind of weird policy where guys have been cleared legally but MLB yes. has still disciplined them. Um, I'm of the thinking that Trevor Bauer was going to get the longest suspension we've seen yet. And he, so, he, he can, and he probably should. I, no one knows what happened. I think Domingo Herman's still the clubhouse leader in that regard. No pun intended. Um, is it, or is it Chapman? I thought, I think it was. No, no, it, it was Domingo Herman. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. We don't know technically what happened there. There's a lot of rumors that he like struck his girlfriend in public. Um, yeah, the, the rumors where he did it in public and a lot of ex-players and executives saw it. It was kind of like, yeah, he fucked up. Yeah, so this to me, I mean, yes, it was consensual by at least in the eyes of the law, but Trevor Power straight up knocked someone out yeah. um, and hurt them. So I so would it, think, yes, this would be the longest suspension. I'm Now he's got time served, which MLB does always honor. So he was out most of last year already. Does he miss another season? Possibly. I think uh, don't count, I don't think you count the time he served because it was voluntary and it was the Dodgers. It wasn't MLB. I could see that angle. I, I put it this way. I think whatever his punishment is, it won't take in, take that into consideration, but they'll still count it. So it looks better for MLB to say he's going to miss 150 games uh, total and he's already missed 50. So he's serving a, you know, hundred game suspension this year, as opposed to he's serving a hundred game suspension this year. So I, I think they'll use that to their advantage. They're in a pickle here because like you said, he, he knocked a woman out. And yeah. at the end of the day, this is a professional athlete who's, on a ton of supplements <laughs> and, and, and things. And, and, you know, he, he plays this game and, and he's big and he's aggressive. It's a bad look, man. This is a really bad look. And I, I, I don't know how MLB is going to address this, but this is definitely something that, you know, is worth keeping its eyes on. What do you give him a season and a half, two seasons saying he served one? I don't know what that number is, but I think he's definitely going to be disciplined. Yeah, I, I've seen rumors the Dodgers have no interest in bringing him back. I, I could believe that Joey's saying the Yankees. I actually thought I, I did consider the Yankees because they traded for Chapman fully knowing what happened with him. But I don't think today's day and age so, they would do it. Chapman, because, Chapman yeah. fired a legally owned gun in his own right. house. Stupid. And, and not right. at his girlfriend, I should say, because that was right. brought up. It was not fired was, at her. It was, it was fired at the, wall. At the ceiling. It, it was stupid. Um, it was stupid yes. more than anything else. Um, but this this is very different. I, I don't – I think you kind of got to X out all the big markets and the big cities with the media, right? How would never go for it was what I was getting no way, at, no uh, way. in this day and age. So I, I don't you think – You can't bring that to New York. Yeah, he – and plus Trevor Bauer just in general, not not a New York personality guy. That's probably I like Joey's pick. I'm going to say Houston. There's a bunch I of – I think Houston, Houston's the perfect – Houston is the perfect second-tier market. They're not a big market, but they're also not, like, you know, totally off the map. Uh, they do dirty things. They do disgusting things. Really? And Trevor really? Bauer fits in perfectly there. 
Philly has a shitty, you know, fan base and a shitty ownership. I can see Philly doing it. I can see. Well, yeah. Brett Myers didn't go over that well over there. They've got their own history there, but maybe Philly. Um, if he's out long enough, the Rays is, I don't know if Joey knew this when he said it, but they, I can't remember his name now, Josh something I want to say. They brought, they let a guy who was actually found guilty of sexual assault stay in their organization. So uh, if the price is cheap enough, they might bring in a Bauer on a one-year deal in the future. Speaking of money, this dude cost himself $100 million easy. Yeah. Um, I do think he'll pitch again somewhere. I don't think it'll be a quick road. I don't, I don't think he'll ever get about it any more than that. He'll never get a payday again. Not a big one. No, no, no. He, he's looking at one, you know... This isn't like a even like a Vic situation to me in that he'll come back and like earn a huge payday again. I I think he's too he's gonna be too old. He's gonna be like turning thirty. So he's, here's the he's other, definitely not getting one soon. So here's the other thing: a lot of the spider attack stuff landed on him too. And yeah. let's be real: Trevor Bauer had one really great breakout season in the spider attack year, like. You know, it's, how it's much of it was Trevor Bauer, how much, how much of it was, you know, analytics, how much of it was, we don't know. We still don't know what he is as a pitcher. It's too many red flags. And red <laughs> is there flags a with, Raiders baseball team? Yeah, that would have been perfect. <laughs> it's uh, the only thing Bauer's got coming, going for him. <laughs> the only thing Bauer's got going for him is he could potentially be cheap value. Yeah. And, and that's it. So we'll see. And the hope, would, uh, the hope there would be, I could see a team doing something stupid like I'm going to sign you to a two-year deal knowing you're going to miss one and hope that the stench dries off after you not pitching for two years when you include the year you already missed. Yeah, yeah. The old uh, – oh, God, that guy died too. What the hell was his name? Oh. Yankees signed him to a two-year deal knowing the first year he was out. Mets, mainly known for the Mets, the left-handed reliever, completely drawing a blank. Feliciano. Oh, Pedro the, the Pedro Feliciano deal. Um, I forgot you know, he died, yeah. Yeah, another untimely death. And a perfect segue because it involves the Mets and also death. Tyler Skaggs' investigation still ongoing. Uh, here's an interesting twist to it. They've now found that Matt Harvey might have been involved as far as dealing the opioids that eventually killed Tyler Skaggs. Not just involved, directly giving... Yeah, like he was a dealer, which we already know beyond the benefit of the doubt that Matt Harvey is a drug addict. (laughs) It's a pretty big cokehead from a lot of sources. I think you and I both personally know um, some people that know Matt Harvey. And and I remember I I told you stories how many years ago? And I said, yo, this dude, I know for a fact that this dude is a major cokehead. Um, And I know that he would go to Miami in the offseason and party and get blast and i if you remember i told you this two three years ago yeah and i said this dude is going to die or kill someone and i really didn't think he would kill a teammate yeah um, i the sad part is when i heard it was matt harvey that dealt the drugs i was kind of like doesn't surprise me probably i mean he's got to be one of the least surprising if you had to guess if i told you there's an mlb player who dealt drugs to tyler skaggs and he died from them Matt Harvey's got to be in the top three, right? Like, I, don't, I can't think of anyone else. I would just think off the top of my head. Um, Jose Altuve. <laughs> yeah. Alex Bregman, Carlos Correa. Uh, no, but yeah. I, I, Matt Harvey's a scumbag. Let's just call it what it is. 
Yeah. Um, so that's going to be interesting. By the way, I still don't feel, I know it got press. I still don't feel like that has gotten enough press. No. An Angels has. Clubhouse attendant orchestrated that. When, <laughs> and, when, it, when it's said and done, I hope it gets the attention it's needed because the opioid epidemic in this country is out of control. And I'm pretty sure within professional sports, it's it's probably even worse. Yeah. Uh, I so, mean, look, they're going to try anything more than the average person. So. That's a, a pretty hard fall from grace from like the guy that dominated New York baseball. When Matt Harvey was with the Mets, mm. when Matt Harvey was with the Mets, I don't care if you were a Yankee fan or a Met fan, you knew who was going to be on the paper the next day. You knew who was going to lead all the sports segues on the news. Matt Harvey was that fucking guy. Like presence, he was, pitching, every, it was everything you wanted in a pitcher. And that lasted about a season or two, you know. Um, and, and man, it's a hell of a fall from grace. He was on the Josh Beckett. This is like the Josh Beckett night. He was on the Josh Beckett track. He was the most promising pitcher of a slew of promising pitchers on a World Series team. And to tell me that six years later, he'd basically be irrelevant and now also caught up in this is I, I it, bro, you, there's few for as a Yankee fan, falls. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. When Matt Harvey pitched, I watched that dude and I'm like, fuck, I want that. And we yeah. had CeCe and I'm like, OK, I got CeCe. But that fucking guy, like he commanded. There was a presence about him. when, And I'm pretty sure he was high out of his mind, if not on something else, too. But there was a, a presence about that dude. He carried it. I mean, look, he was the guy on a staff that had Jacob DeGrom pitching behind him for several years. I mean, yeah. And meanwhile, Jake DeGrom's just quietly doing his shit, you know, not bothering anybody being the best pitcher on the fucking planet. DeGrom, if you gave me that, if I'm watching that 2015 Mets team, DeGrom would have been the number three starter to me. Like, I, I you know, career-wise, I would have expected him to be way behind Noah and Harvey. And that couldn't have been more wrong <laughs> based on what's happened over the last handful of years. Uh, I know we just briefly spoke about Harvey and, and, and the Mets. Now, let me paint a picture for you. Okay. August, good weather, baseball weather, city field, lights are pumping, music's going, everybody's going, and then you hear, and now, welcome, left fielder from the 2000 World Series, Benny Agbayani. What are the Mets doing, bro? They're having an old-timers day. I don't know if this is going to be an annual tradition. I saw it and I laughed. This shit is going to be absolutely hilarious. So this has taken on legs, which I guess I didn't expect for some reason. But the Mets had old-timers day from the 60s until 94. And then they stopped. And... Keith McPherson, I'm not entirely sure who that is, basically ripped them apart today saying, and I posted it, it wasn't very well posted, but I posted it in Baseball Life. Um, he basically was like, why are they trying to be the Yankees? It, which granted, <laughs> the Yankees have old timers day for a reason, and that's because they'll never run out of old timers. Yeah, That's not even a, a shot at the Mets. It's just the Yankees are just a class of their own when you're talking about history, right? Like that's what they pride themselves on. So old timers, they always made sense for them. The Mets stopped this for like almost 30 years 
And now they're bringing it back. And Howie Rose went back at McPherson and was just so pissed off. He tweeted back at him saying how he couldn't be more wrong because the Mets did it and (laughs) used to have it as a tradition and has nothing to do with the Yankees. I'm just like, dude, 94 was a long time ago. You don't get to be like, oh, we're not copying someone. We did this 28 years ago. I I know I gave the Mets shit, but I honestly like the idea, but I like to expound on it. This is what I would like to see. I would like to see a league-wide old-timers weekend. And for an entire weekend, each franchise celebrate old-timers. Yeah. And you literally have old-timers on those two teams face each other. They, like, you know, for a couple innings, the game, just make fun. Like, you got to have fun with it. I really love the idea of just having a league-wide old-timers day. And then you make guys like Nolan Ryan pick which franchise he's going to pitch for. <laughs> Yeah. So this is another thing, by the way, I, I, you know, watching the Olympics, I'm watching NHL all-star weekend uh, or all-star week, whatever. And I I just, this is another thing with MLB. You have to make the all-star weekend a week, a full week. And and you can have your stupid celebrity game. The futures game's great. The home run derby is obviously great. But Listen to me. Please. Don't you talk shit about the celebrity softball game. I like the celebrity softball. No, I'm fine. I'm fine. You can keep everything that's already there. Jenny Finch and striking on Albert Pujols will always be there. Yeah. Well, Jenny Finch could do anything she wants, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Skills competition. I was talking. I think I was talking to uh, Robert Lunt, one of the members. We were talking going all, all the things for a skills competition. You could be throwing, you know, an outfield throw. You can have miles per hour. You can have a sprint. You can do anything you want. There's a, a bunt competition. You can have anything you want. And then on top of that, this is what, what reminded me of this, is add an old-timers circuit to that. Then everyone's watching, and it makes sense because it's All-Star Week. You can have, you can have former All-Stars from all around baseball and have their little thing. There's, so, there's such an opportunity to capitalize on MLB's history with an all-star week and they just do nothing. I'm with it. I mean, any, anything that celebrate, uh, I'm, I'm a home run derby guy. I know a lot of people hate the home run derby. I absolutely love it. I think there's nothing like it. Not even the dunk concerts. I think the home run derby. I agree. It's my favorite gimmick. Me, ever. Like all-star spectacle. That's it. To me, it's the home run. Nothing. You hit, you see guys hit baseballs long. And for some reason, it just captures my attention like a little boy. It just, there's something about it. Yeah. Um, I agree with you. Expand it, but I, I'm going to double down. Give me, give me old timers weekend for a whole weekend where every team celebrates their old timers, their old, uh, yeah, that, the greats. That's fine. It makes too much sense, but you can't, you can't make this mess thing as they point out to Daniel Murphy. Like, yeah, the Yankees aren't all A pluses when they've got their old timers game. A lot of them are dead now, so I get it. Um, but still, like the these the guys Mets- won at least won a title or like if you're a role play off, player for a title team, that's still gonna mean something to the fans. So this is Daniel Murphy doesn't mean shit to the Mets. You know what you, you can have something like the Royals play the Mets, right? And Pat Mahomes Sr. is pitching for the Mets on Old Timers Weekend, and his son is at the game. Come on. <laughs> and and his, uh, his other son, yeah, who will inevitably be at the game as well. Yeah. Um, I, I, like, I like the celebration of, of, of the greats. Um, you know what? I, I, we have fun with the Mets, but, you know, fuck it. Whatever gets the fans involved. I mean, everyone likes to celebrate their greats. The problem is you have to have the greats to celebrate. <laughs> Yes. So I'm curious because we have at least a, a couple of Mets fans watching right now. 
Are you excited for Mets old timers day? Ultimately, that's all that's going to decide if it's a success or not. We can make fun of it all day long. And Howie Rose really needs to accept. Yes, you are copying the Yankees. Like they're the only ones who have done this for the last 25 years consecutively. But are you excited for old timers day? And who are you excited to see? Because Lenny Dykstra, I think two guys, not invited. Two guys get the biggest pop. Maybe three. I think Keith David Hernandez. gets a hell of a pop, especially mm-hmm. the way he retired because of injury. I think Johan Santana probably gets the biggest applause, man, with, with the, the no-hitter. Yeah. Jose Reyes. I see, Santana was part of those collapsing teams. Not that they hold it against him, but that leave a sore spot in my mouth. Johan Santana will always have a place in, in, in Mets franchise history. He... Through the no hitter that was not supposed to be a no hitter because that ball was in <laughs> was in play, but right through their only no hitter. I mean, he will always have a and he gave up his career because after that he was shot. <clears throat> right. So that no that no hitter ruined his career. Yeah, I, that I, think, I do believe. I think Johan gets a hell of an applause. I mean, that man literally gave his career to the Mets. I'm gonna say it's got a to me obviously David Wright, but I think the '86 team. If you can pull guys from there, Daryl and Dwight are still walking. Um, I, I yeah, I, they didn't invite Dykstra. He's got too much going on Mark, <laughs> since Mark, then. Marcus Stroman, <laughs> Keith Hernandez. Like obviously, you know they see him more often. But if he's playing, I think that's exciting. Um, same with Ron Darling. So, yeah, I mean, you know, those are the guys I think who would get the biggest ovations. But You know who I think would get a big ovation? No lie. Ray Ordonez. Yeah, you know, I, I have Ray fond memories. Revered. The Butch Huskies and Ray Ordonez and uh, Edgardo Ooh. Alfonso's of the world, late 90s. You know, Mets weren't very good, but those guys stick out to me. Like, those are fun guys to root for. Do you I like them. Back, do you bring back Beltran? <laughs> I don't think so. Really? You should. I, I don't think they will. I don't. You know what? If they have a second all-time Mets annual old-timers day, they might like Beltran's on his on his recovery tour now, joining the Yankees in the in, in the booth. So you get a year of Beltran as an announcer under your belt, and in future Mets old time old timer games, maybe, but he also might go to Maybe. Yankee old timers games yeah. to keep him in the family. I don't know. I see Ray Knight, I got off on uh, Ray Knight's a good one, sure. yeah. Mookie, obviously. I said, yeah, I said Mookie. Um, yeah. Piazza, obviously. I, I didn't. I, I am curious if a guy like Piazza would Ryan? go. I don't see why not. I don't know. I don't know. You know those big time guys like Derek Jeter will, uh, for obvious reasons now, but he would. We would have never gone to a old timers day. Well, you don't think so? No, I don't think so. I think he would. I don't think I mean he won't now because he owns another team. I think but absolutely. I, think I, I think if everyone else, A Rod, I don't think Bernie, fuck A Rod. If Bernie, <laughs> if Posada, I think if all those guys, if Mo, Mo participated in a couple of them already, I think if all those guys do it and call him like, yo, come on, I think he would do it. Oh, I got the perfect Met, Bartolo Colon. Oh yeah. Well, depending on which family he's with that day, it uh Wagner. might work out. You gotta Ojeda, get it's a good one. You gotta get Cone, you gotta get Daryl, you gotta get, you know. I would like Todd Seal to go to everyone's old time of game. Uh, lighter. You Todd Seal for some reason how lighter popped in my head. Yeah. Uh, someone Eddie mentioning Robin Ventura, which is a 
he was involved in one of these conversations. Oh, this is it. We, we left one part out of this before we get to our final segment here. MLB scandals, by the way, we've got the opioid, opioid sold from the clubhouse, changing the balls, spider tax, stealing signs electronically. And now the final one, which we didn't even address yet, and Robin Ventura spoke about it today, taking the words right out of my mouth. They stopped steroid testing because they're in a lockout. So you got an entire free-for-all now all winter for these players. I hate the way this was reported. Yeah. Well, because it seems like they just did away with steroid testing, which is not the case. Everyone is reporting because everyone's headline, Rainers, now. But everyone's headline was MLB to stop testing for steroids. This story was MLB is no longer involved in a collectively bargained agreement, so they can no longer enforce. They can no longer enforce this. Once there's a collectively bargained agreement in place, they'll go back to testing. But this is a bad look, especially when David Ortiz gets in. And oh, that's we didn't touch on that. David David Ortiz, Ortiz, Barry Bonds, and. Must have slipped my mind, Henry. I can't imagine why uh, the clusterfuck that is the 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 clusterfuck that is the baseball writers. Uh, look, I, I real quick. I was a big, big, big proponent of keeping guys out for steroid juice. Yeah, I just once you let David Ortiz in, I'm sorry, he had a the positive test. You had every reason not to let him in. You spend 10 years not letting in Bonds, 10 years not letting in Clemens, and you put David Ortiz in, in the first bet. I've changed right. my mind, let them all in, I no longer give a shit. I've always been of the belief they should have explanations when they're let in. Like, like you can't, to me, MLB is a living, breathing document <laughs> for, for, you know, metaphorically. They pride themselves in history, and their history hasn't always been positive, and that's fine, just like anything in life. You know, this country, for example, is you're never gonna have it a hundred percent roses all the time. So if you're a hall, if you're a hall of fame, you're a museum and you're documenting the history, it never made sense for me to keep them out. I can understand the suffering part of it. You want to wait 10 years before you put them in as punishment, fine. Um, but I always felt they should be in, but they should be in, in the perspective and with the context of their time. So I don't know why people laugh off having like the asterisk or the wing or whatever it is, but yeah, just explain, Hey, this was what was happening. This is what these players were accused of or guilty of or whatever their status is. So take their numbers with a grain of salt. You know, you don't, don't compare that guy to someone from 1930. It's a different sport and they did different things and they were using different supplements. I just, the, the writers just they they botched it in my opinion they just threw a curveball to everyone it, them being the gatekeepers to the hall of fame and what's right and what isn't it, it's pudge is already in and that was you know questionable piazza had questions bagwell had questions but you have somebody who has an actual positive test whether it was meant to be leaked or not he tested positive yeah. you have an, someone with an actual positive test and you give him a first ballot induction Hey, but there was only a 90% chance that it was a positive. So, I mean, you lose, you lose all credibility with everything you've done in the past when letting, not letting Bonds and, and Clemens in. Schilling is a different story because I think Schilling had fringe numbers to begin with. Yeah. Like as a player, if he's in, I wouldn't oppose it. If he's not in, I wouldn't oppose it. He's kind of right there. That's how I feel too. I if you put Schilling, if you took away the name Kurt Schilling, just gave me those stats, I would be fine either way. I, I can see arguments for either way. The postseason um, stuff is kind of what 
if he that were to get in, would be because top. of that. Yeah. But one way or the other, I wouldn't be angry if he's not in Orin. You know, and he's kind of that yeah. fringe guy. But the other two, Clemens and Boz, those guys were should have been shoe-ins had they not done dirty shit. Um, right. But now I'm, I don't know anymore. I don't know what to feel. I'm not even going to lie to you. Well, they this is their fault. <laughs> They've caused this. Of, you know, hardcore it, fan. We it's a combination. Because they it, just keep sending mixed it, signals. It is their fault, but also MLB knew what the fuck was going on and they turned their blind eye to it. And then they try to say, no, you can't do that. It's what they That's did. What I mean. was, this they, is they, all their yeah. own working. MLB took the problem that they helped create and they put it at the feet of the players of the writers and they said you guys figure out who's allowed to get in and not, and that's just wrong yeah it's silly um so anyway so that that if they get so expect giant giant balloon muscles uh by opening day because no one's policing this thing it's oh. i'll be curious to see how that play it would not surprise me at all if if some players took full advantage of that little loophole in that they're and, not and, testing. And Joey's right. The, look, the steroid era and, and particularly the, the mid to late nineties that, that definitely saved baseball. The, the Maguire Sosa thing saved baseball you say what you want, but it did. So this is my favorite part of it. Why did it save baseball? Because in 1994, <laughs> they had this lockout. You missed the world series. You tried to replacement players, which right failed miserably. I wanted to touch on that. Cause I saw someone make a comment in the group about all uh, MLB players are replaceable. Yeah, they're expendable. And I'm like, no, the fuck they're not. Did no, you forget have, what happened? We have proof that they're not like, yeah, you can physically replace their body with someone new that does not replace the entertainment value. And we know this without a doubt that that is the case. So it's just so, that so, is so silly. Jonathan Jordan said they'll, they'll test, they'll pop positive for testing when, when uh, everything resumes. We'll MLB see. is going to give it limits to me. They're going to give them the biggest. Hey guys, this date we're testing yeah. for roids on yeah. this day. We will begin testing. You have time to get a whole cycle out of your system. I yeah. guarantee you they're going to give them a heads up when testing begins. Yeah. Please contact your masking agents yeah. because this test Don't is coming. Be David Ortiz. Yeah. Um, anyway, so just MLB being MLB. I agree with Leon Robinson Cano is very happy right now. Oh, yeah. So we've got one other topic. It's home, no pun intended to me. Um, the Rays, right? We did we we didn't cover this, but obviously the Montreal deal, they were gonna split the season that has been since eliminated because MLB was like, that's a stupid idea, which is also what Vince Mercandetti said. And uh, and it was so they can't do a split season. It's not a stupid idea, you know why. You put them in Montreal and you just fucking leave them there. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be fine with that only because then Stu Sternberg wouldn't have any team. Yeah. But um, it was never going to happen. It was a boogeyman. It's the same thing as threatening the NFL with sending a team to London. It just that's, doesn't make any sense. Never going to happen. Uh, Montreal, by the way, stop suggesting it as a city that the race should move to. It's already failed. Like it's already a failure of a city. Baseball is not the biggest sport in Canada and Montreal, though a very nice city. I've been there. It's very pleasant is not your top priority. If you're MLB, there's plenty of cities in the U S where you don't have to worry about crossing over a border. That is going to be a better choice. And blue Jays 
x-rays or whatever you want to call them is never going to be a thing that is never going to be a top tier rivalry because Canadians just don't care that much. And please stop suggesting it. I'm fine with Nashville. I'm fine with Charlotte. I'm fine with San Antonio, Portland, even Puerto Rico. At least I know those fans would be all over it. Not Montreal. Stop suggesting it. It's stupid. Yeah. I'm I'm with you. I like the Nashville thing. Uh, the Raiders are fucking up Las Vegas for everyone. <laughs> so yeah. I, don't, I don't, I don't know about Vegas anymore. Vegas, another viable argument, uh, just not Montreal. But anyway, the reason I bring this up, call them the Montreal hookers. <laughs> so the reason that the Rays don't have a new stadium so far, besides the fact that their lease is like through 2026, which no one seems to talk about is that St. Pete, First of all, again, just a quick geography lesson. Where the Rays are located right now is on the non-beach side of St. Petersburg, Florida. St. Petersburg, Florida is on the other side of Tampa. And when I say the other side, I mean, you have to, if you're from Orlando or Lakeland or any of those surrounding cities, you have to drive through Tampa to get to St. Pete. And it's a one lane bridge. (laughs) So if you've ever wondered why St. Pete has trouble drawing from other cities, that's one of the major reasons. There's only one entrance from that ang- from that side that you can even get to the stadium. And on top of that, the stadium's located with nothing around it on the unpleasant side of St. Pete because the pleasant side of St. Pete is a beach and it's one of the best beaches in the country. I'm so there's plenty of tourism name. there. I'm changing your name right now. There you go. So <laughs> this is the first thing I just want everyone to understand when we're talking about what the Rays local situation is. The other aspect of this is St. Pete has an airport <laughs> that is Albert Witted Airport, which is like a landmark there. It's 110 acres and it's right downtown on the water of St. Pete. It would be a perfect location for a stadium. Up until now, they had never decided that they, they were going to keep the airport. It was more important than having a landmark there. Um, but St. Pete just got a new mayor in the past year, Ken Welch. And he has, for the first time, said, we have to reevaluate the airport. We'll see how much of a community impact it provides. It's not set in stone that we're going to keep the airport. And then simultaneous to that, in the same week, he came out and said, by the way, we've re-engaged with the Rays to keep baseball in St. Pete. So put two and two together, I think St. Pete's back on the table as far as possibly moving to the Rays to the beach side, which may or may not solve their problem. It's at least a much better destination. And on top of that, Tampa, Ybor City, the downtown of Tampa, has also been negotiating with Stu, the uh, Rays I'm owner. City. I'm an Ybor City guy. There's a lot of bars yeah. and adult entertainment venues in Ybor City. My only problem with Ebor City is... I like how you phrase that. (laughs) When you're coming from New York and your nightlife ends at 4 a.m. and you still have places to go, you go to Ebor City, 2 a.m., everything is shut. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. That was an adjustment uh, for several of my friends from the Northeast who come down to visit and we go over to Tampa. They're like, everything shuts down like at a time. That's weird. Um... But yeah, so Tampa's problem is that Ybor City has plenty of room and that's where the Lightning have become very successful. So the whole argument like, oh, Floridians don't like baseball. Well, they don't even know what hockey is and it draws okay. So that argument's out the window. That's not the problem. Tampa's problem is that 
They're only willing to put in 200 million only of taxpayer mm -hmm. money towards a billion dollar proposal stadium. So Stu wants an $800 million stadium, 850, and he wants a roof for another 150. So it's a billion dollar proposal and he wants them to cover over 500 million for a 28,000 seat stadium. So Tampa's about 400 million off and St. Pete has to decide whether or not they want to tear down their airport. <laughs> That's the latest on raise negotiations. Not to mention, I believe there is a portion of money that you can get in revenue sharing additional for upgrades and shit like that for stadiums. Kansas City yeah. used it to upgrade Kaufman Stadium. So, yeah, they'll be subsidized, uh, of course. Of course, yeah, that money is going to come from somewhere. I can't imagine what the tourism funds, because that's always the like key, the uh, catchphrase when you are using taxpayer money, like the Braves when they built their stadium, it came out of the tourism fund. I can't imagine what that is in Florida. Like their tourism funds must build 10 stadiums if they wanted it to. Um, it's just money that's not going towards stuff that Stu's not going to benefit from. So anyway, I say all that to say this billionaire owner wants more people to pay for his shit so he can make money off of it and then not invest into the team. That's what we're facing. And that's always what we'll be facing when it comes to MLB owners. Cheap bastards. Yeah. He does all uh, I have to say. And John, uh, yes, the, the meth demands of Wrigleyville. You've got Cubs. Fan. This was, yes, yeah, someone else. I was, I was debating with someone who I guess is from Massachusetts. For some reason, they really, really hate Florida, which... I'm used to that by now, but I'm really about uh, to hate Massachusetts now soon. Yeah, I he's <laughs> yeah, uh, he's probably going to move here in 10 years. That's what always happens when people badmouth Florida. But he was trying to tell me that Montreal has better tourism and a larger population than central Florida. And I'm just like, what? Stop. Where is this coming from? Stop. Yeah, no one wants to play baseball in Montreal. Okay, that's just what we have. No one wants to play baseball in Florida either. I mean, let's no, but but a retractable roof is a mandatory part of this new stadium. I think a retractable roof should be in every stadium. I do too. When the Yankees didn't do it, I was like, really? I was having a fit. I'm like, you can you make your money back by holding all year round events. You like you literally yeah. make your money back. Not to mention all your games. I mean, I imagine they lose money on double headers, yeah. especially now. So why wouldn't you want to have all of your games guaranteed? It was silly. It's rain and heat in Florida, but it's also snow and rain anywhere else. So like, I don't understand it. It benefits everyone. It's expensive, but it benefits everyone. So anyway, that is, that's everything. We, we got through the timeline. It was a lot of things. A lot I'm of sure we'll be back soon. I mean, I expect, uh, some movement um i would have two weeks we got to have something right i would hope I, well it's i'm guessing whatever manfred says tomorrow will will cause some sort of backlash from players so that'll be fun to monitor uh two weeks from now we'll officially know that spring training did not start on time we can deduce that but it'll be official by then well, i don't well, know if there's we can come back tomorrow and put that in the comment section once manfred announces it yeah, so we'll see. We will. Uh, we'll see. Maybe two weeks from now we'll be back. Otherwise, when uh, when we have enough, this is I think how we should handle the constant lockouts and off season. Is that when we have enough like chestnuts together and we can have a talk like this for an hour and twenty minutes, we'll come on. We'll we'll talk it out. Everyone can have fun. Totally agree. Awesome. Thank you for joining us. This Thank has you, been. Bobby. This has been Dong City with Henry and Vince. Everyone. 
Have a great night. Dong City, bitches.